Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untreaded Media Podcast. This is episode 130. So, we were going to talk about, there's a Variety article that basically just was a scathing review of Disney's current CEO, Bob Chapek, and we were just going to discuss that until the whole media streaming world just basically went up in flames of a nuclear bomb that was dropped by Discovery and Warner Media. So we're just going to cover everything streaming this week for our discussion cuz holy crap, it's not just the Warner Media and Discovery news. There's Disney stuff, there's now Amazon and MGM stuff. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff this week. Um but before we get into all that, Josh, how you doing this week? Hey buddy. I'm doing good, bud. We just—I just got some sushi. I'm feeling good tonight, man. Feeling super nice. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. What you watching? Um, I started watching. Yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm gonna screw. Shaolin up soccer. Um. Yes. I mean, close. Yes. Yasuke. Yasuki. The um the Netflix anime about the black samurai. And it's sure I'm well familiar with Netflix anime collection. Uh, I mean, it's like, but it's like made by Netflix. It's not uh. like a. It's actually not bad. It's actually not bad at all. Um, it gives me like a really like hardcore uh, Afro samurai vibes. Which, if you haven't seen Afro Samurai, uh, it's it's a black samurai and like he has like a split personality, and both personalities are played by Samuel L. Jackson, and it's fantastic. Um, I watched... Oh, oh, I watched... um, Oh, crap. Mitchell's vs. the Machines? Mitchell's vs. the Machines, because I've texted you right afterwards. I I tried to find time this weekend, but I just got busy with some other stuff. But yes, that uh, I'm off tomorrow, so I will probably watch that. I've heard it's excellent. I've heard it from multiple people. So, if you had any reservations... It is literally made by the same team that made uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and you can tell. You mean Lego Movie and... I mean that too. And Cloudy with Chits Meatballs, because there is a distinction of the directors of Into the Spider-Verse did not do Lego Movie, and that's that's something that gets people all mixed up all the time, but... Yes. Yeah, I've wanted to see Mitchell's vs. the Machines. I've heard it's good, and... Some friends of mine from church, we were talking about of like we remember seeing the trailers from two years ago, back when it was still called Connected, and it was supposed to release yeah. in theaters. So this movie's been on a weird journey. But uh, why should people watch it, Josh? It's li- it was like literally watching my family on screen. <laughs> like I literally okay. Here's the thing. I I read an article on it actually, and it's like. Uh, the title of the article is basically like Mitchell's vs. Machine, a lesson in how to make characters relatable. Um, literally, like, I don't know how to, like, even if your family's not as dysfunctional as, the, as this family is, there's still, like, very small little moments that are very relatable for family-wise. But they don't, like, like, literally they're having a very serious moment, and somebody, another character does something funny and everyone laughs about it but because it's just like hey, yeah that's the family dy- dynamic it doesn't ruin the moment it actually like adds to the moment it's it's really interesting um yeah i just i can't i it's one of those you just have to watch uh i would it's really actually surprising that it's not like a pixar film really 
really, because of the, the amount of heart this movie has in it that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it's like it's just like a good solid family movie, and then all of a sudden it hits you right in the heart. It was like, dang, man, chill, okay? I wasn't going to come here to have life lessons thrown at me. I just wanted a fun family movie. Well, Lord and Miller are so good at that. Let's not forget about the ending of the first Lego movie. When you are the most special, most interesting, and most amazing person in the universe. And you are capable of amazing things. And you're just like, let's build some Legos. Let's go. Or even Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That's a grown man tear. And that's okay sometimes. And you're just like, "Mm." oh, Um, let's go. So I watched uh Mm-hmm. The movie reminds me a lot of uh, Cloudy with a Chance, of, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. That makes two. sense. Oh, the se- oh, don't even. The second one is way better. No, first yes, one's better. I, look, I love you, bro, but like the amount of puns and great. Okay, I'll say this about the second one. The second one has the single greatest pun I've ever seen. Yes. There's a leak in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> like that will never not kill me. Um, so I watched two things this week, both of which I would highly recommend to Josh, and one of them I'd recommend to everyone, but one of them is very, very niche. The one I'd recommend to everyone is the latest DC animated movie, Justice Society World War II. Um, it shines a light on some characters that don't often get it, the Justice Society themselves, even if, just like Justice League Dark, we have to shoehorn in some other old-school character just to validate i guess they stick in wonder woman even though wonder woman's really not a justice society member but she makes more sense in the justice society than batman on justice league dark um without dipping too much into spoilers is not a spoiler because it's more or less stated in the first five to ten minutes um the all the new dc animated movies are set in the same universe as each other which we kind of guessed might happen but it is not a New 52 to Rebirth situation of it's not Barry going back in time like he did at the end of Apocalypse War and creating this new timeline. It's more or less Superman, Man of Tomorrow was the first in this new universe and we're just kind of reintroducing everything. There wasn't some event that starts everything, um, but like Flash sees Superman. It's a Superman from Man of Tomorrow, which I appreciated that they didn't say that ahead of time. So I go into it going, oh, hey. It's Superman is back because I actually really like that Superman. And so it makes me think, okay, the long Halloween that's coming out next month will also be set in that universe, which gets me excited. Justice Society had a lot more tricks up its sleeve than I thought it would. Um, I thought it was just going to be Barry goes back in time, gets stuck in World War II and has to find a way back Think with the help of the Justice Society. This almost is on the scale of a Flashpoint type story in terms of its roster size, its size of its scale, and feeling like an Elseworlds story. Um, it is so massively enjoyable that there was quite a few moments that I stood up and cheered. Uh, so Josh is in the voodoo whenever you want to watch that. But the movie that just got me the most excited that I'm, I'm sure Josh will want to hear all about because I'm sure it's been on his radar as well. I finally caved and watched Nicolas Cage's Willy's Wonderland. Which, oh no, Josh, have you not heard about Willy's Wonderland? No. Wait, is, hold on, no, 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 I might have, Say, tell me the plot, because I, I might have heard of it. Basically, Nicolas Cage's car breaks down and he has to become a janitor for a discount Five Nights at Freddy's for the night, basically. Yes. Okay, I have heard of it, but I didn't know it, it had come out. It came out. In typical, typical Nick Cage fashion. <laughs> so 
I, I was reading trivia and stats about this movie while I was watching it, and Nick Cage took this role because he loved silent films and wanted to do a. He wanted to challenge himself in the performance wise of a character that does not speak a word throughout the entire movie. And he stands true to that. I thought at the end he might let out a swear or just a one word quick little thing at the end but no he remains silent the whole time and honestly it's been a while since i've had this much fun with a nicholas cage performance not a nicholas cage movie the movie's not perfect but this is like god tier nicholas cage of like the man this could be a sequel or a prequel to drive angry of like his power levels in drive angry in terms of when he encounters the first evil animatronic he's just like well, this is going to happen. It's just a Tuesday for me. Time to put up or shut up, basically. And just starts <laughs> fighting the animatronic without saying anything. And it just keeps happening. And so uh, these teens are trying to destroy the building, whatever, whatever, like save the town or whatever. And so he still has already gotten rid of two of the animatronics by the time they get there. They're just dumped in body bags. So without saying a word, they're just like, we got to get him out of here. They look over his body bags. Oh, that's badass. Like, <laughs> without him ever saying anything, he just looks over his bags of already dead animatronics and just like, I'm doing fine, kids, basically, just in his face. <laughs> and so the great thing is, it's not a great movie, but his character is so entertainingly awesome. Of like, if you're not a Nick Cage fan, you might not get into it, but. Uh, he's got this weird OCD-ness of whenever his alarm goes on his watch goes off, he has to go take his little break, which means drinking his soda and playing a pinball machine. And so, uh, this... It gets better, Josh. It gets better. So, this girl just watched her friend get killed by one of the animatronics. And so, she's about to fight it. And the animatronics just like, you're just a girl. How do you expect to beat me? In comes hero, Nicolas Cage. Puts up two hands, ready to fight. Beep, 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 beep. Looks down at his watch. Looks over at the girl in need. Just dips to go get his soda and play pinball. (laughs) (laughs) And just leaves her. She doesn't die, but he just freaking leaves her. And was just like, sorry, I got to stick to my schedule. And so she hangs on long enough for him to finish his pinball and his soda. And then he just wrecks shot. But I'm just like, I appreciate that soda and pinball is more important to you. And it's just awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> no joke, it is God tier of like, he gets his butt kicked, but he dishes it right back. Of he suffocates an animatronic. It's just, dude, I had so much fun with this. It's so stupid. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to find it now. Uh, speaking of weird arcades, I, mean, I found out there's a weird arcade in my town. Yeah, so I heard there's about that. that. So it's super cool. Now we're going to have to drag Josh away from there from time to time. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> now I know what I'm doing every Saturday when I'm alone. Anyway, um... <laughs> wow! Just laugh through the pain, Josh. Yo, that's all I can do. <laughs> Speaking of pain, we have some trailers, but um, I'll be honest, not all of them are good, but I'm not going to complain just yet because I'm just glad to have trailers again, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Even if... We'll be honest, some of them don't really live up to what I was hoping for. And culprit number one that we have today 
is the Snake Eyes movie, which is a prequel to the G.I. Joe franchise, the, the character of Snake Eyes, originally played by one of our favorite stuntmen, Ray Park, a.k.a. Darth Maul. Um, oh boy, I don't even know where to start with this trailer. Um, I got you, I got you. You ready? Uh, yes. So, in a lot of... No, I can't make that joke. I was going to make a joke about somebody not lasting long enough. Because this trailer is only a minute long! Not even like, a minute. Like, it's what? like 58 seconds. I don't understand it, but dude. I, and I th- you and I actually had a little bit of a... T- uh, not a, a, a discussion about what race Snake Eyes is supposed to be. And like... Because he's supposed to be an outsider from his clan. So it's kind of a big thing. But also like... It's kind of like G.I. Joe whitewashing at the same time. I like I don't I don't know. It's there's nothing about this trailer that I don't feel I couldn't go watch a OG Kung Fu movie and get the same experience. Yeah, I as soon as I saw that it was like a minute trailer, I was like, Well, it debuted during the MTV Music Awards, so maybe that was like the trailer to tell you, Hey, on YouTube we've got the full trailer like they do with the Super yeah. Bowl. No, the 58-second or whatever trailer is the full thing, which makes me go, um, poor Kay. Your movie comes out the end of July, so this is, like, right around the corner, guys. This is when you should be releasing full trailers, telling us about the story. Why should we care about this movie other than, mm-hmm. oh, you know that guy that you like from Crazy Rich Asians? Now he's got a sword, and you can see his face, which... This is an issue that I've had ever since they announced the Snake Eyes movie of there's much more interesting characters in the G.I. Joe pantheon than Snake Eyes, primarily because the dude has a mask on, so you can't see his face. He can't emote in that way, but he also doesn't speak, which makes that even more complicated. I'm not the biggest G.I. Joe expert, but I've always thought Snake Eyes was a cool character, but not one you really needed backstory on. Mm-hmm. Um and I was always worried when they said they're doing a Snake Eyes movie and then cast Henry Golding, who is like Hollywood's it boy right now of like the next good looking leading man, which good for him. I appreciate that we have a up and coming leading guy that's not a, just another white guy. Um, I've heard great things about Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, I've heard great things about his role in The Gentleman. This guy's on the up and up. You clearly cast him just like you did with Stephen Amell in Ninja Turtles, not for him to wear a mask and for everyone to know this is the guy on the poster, as opposed to a this character is supposed to be covered up the entire time. My worry here is he'll this will just be a generic sci like uh, samurai movie for most of it until at like the very end of the movie, the sequel bait, he'll put on the mask and then somehow in the final fight. Instead of taking his vow of silence, which is supposed to be what it is, he takes a vow of silence after his master's killed. That's something that I think he let happen. I'm not sure with G.I. Joe mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, my worry is he's going to have an accident in a battle and his throat will get cut or something, making rendering him mute from then on out. Which I'm going, that to me seems less impactful than choosing not to talk. Um I, I'm nervous about this. The trailer gave no story beats away, which, again, this movie comes out in almost two months, and you really should be delving into story details here. Um, just from the trailer, but it could just be trailer editing. The editing looked all kinds of wonky. Um, 
But this also just feels too late. Like, the first yeah. two G.I. Joe movies were a long time ago, and I'll be honest, I didn't like those either. This yeah. looks... It doesn't have a very high bar to cross to be better than those first two, but those came out a very long time ago. This could just be Hasbro looking to restart a dead franchise, essentially, with doing CPR, like kind of the Bumblebee effect of doing a prequel and hoping that that restarts your franchise, but yeah. I just don't know. I feel like, even as a bit not big Snake Eyes fan, it feels like they're misinterpreting the character and just going, attractive young guy, make him samurai. Uh, but 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 this but this guy is supposed to be mute and we don't see his face. Doesn't matter. That doesn't sell on posters. I'm going. I'm I'm. I've got some massive red flags right off the bat on this one. Yeah, I do too. I I'm with you in that. It's a little late for GI Joe guys. Like they don't even make the action figures anymore. So what are you? What's the deal here? Um, also, didn't we? Ex- Explore Snake Eyes' origin in the second one? I thought, yeah, I thought we did. I, like, I tried to block uh, out the second one out of my memory. I will say, um, if the guy with two swords in the middle of the 50-second trailer is Storm Shadow... It is. It is. Bro, I'm here for it. Because that is... That was cool. I'm What? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that always thought Storm Shadow was way cooler than Snake, Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah, because he was allowed to have a personality. He was allowed to exactly. emote. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I I hope it happens at the beginning of the movie. I'm hoping that his vow of silence and ever, all the stuff that causes that happens at maybe first 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And so they all, and so they're hiding the back half of, of this movie, because they don't want to show you too much sna- Snake Eyes too fast, because they under they do understand it's Snake Eyes. He doesn't emote, emote much. That's what I'm hoping. I don't think that's the case, because this is the first trailer we've gotten for this movie, and it goes it comes out in July. So, yeah, it it it's like they're like, oh. That that Shang Chi trailer, Shang Chi trailer, did really really well. We've got a movie that we just finished that could kind of be similar to that. Um, it just does kind of feel a little too much like a Shang Chi clone, just with swords instead of hand to hand combat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that looks like it's got clear cinematography, and I trust Marvel storytelling. Like, I like Marvel movies. I did not like the first two GI Joe movies. Um, I don't know who's attached to direct this one, and maybe that's concerning. But then again, this feel this movie especially feels like it's been in development hell forever, or like mm-hmm. been done forever. But that could just be me not keeping a close tab on it. But yeah, I of all it's, the trailers yeah. that we're going to talk about today, I think this is probably by far the weakest. Oh, dude, totally, and it's not even. And that's actually never mind. The, we've got another one that looks. No, see, I I would put that other one that higher than this. I'm probably. I have, and I'll have my reasons, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. But I, I actually, yeah, I yeah. agree with you, and I I think I can know what your reasonings are, but yeah, it's just it's just it does it didn't do anything for me. I've seen enough martial arts movies to be like, all right, cool. I, I think guess. they're they're banking on not. 
their general audience not having the knowledge that is Josh going into movies. Even, but but then like, why would you see a Snake Eyes movie if you're not into like martial arts movies? You know what I mean? Henry like, Golding. Because there's no. Because there's Henry no, Golding. Yeah, I, yeah, he's cute, but like, come on, like I don't know, man. So now we transition from Samurais to Knights, and Whoa. honestly. This is a movie that's really been flying under the radar, and I'm so beyond excited that it's finally, finally coming out. Uh, and that is A24's The Green Knight. So, uh, it's basically an adaptation of a old myth about um, Sir Gawain, I believe, was the knight. Um, you say A24, and I will just be there in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. A twenty four did the witch, correct? I was it. I think so. I that sounds Robert, right. I always get Robert Eggers movies and um. Oh, what's his other guys? Ari Aster's movies mixed up, but they also all of those could be A twenty four movies. I think Hereditary was. Midsommar was A twenty four. A twenty four is typically a horror company, a low budget, even more low budget than Blumhouse, but like more art house version of Blumhouse is how I'd probably describe them. Yeah, it's it's it was a twenty four. Okay, they distributed it. Uh, the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is not a horror story, but it almost kind of looks like they're giving a horror spin to it. So I'll give the general consensus from what you can kind of tell from the trailer, but also what the story of the Green Knight is without going into too much detail so one day this big green knight comes in and basically says if any of your knights can land a hit on me um i will repay the hit in exactly one year and a day um the same exact hit in a year and a day and so sir Gwen comes in chops the green knight's head off green knight stands back up picks his head laughs runs away and so as the man Honor is a very big thing with knights, and so Sir Gawain has to basically go out to face this green knight again to go, okay, now I will let you take a swing at my head type of thing. There's a lot more to it than that, but um, the story could be very, very interesting. I'm, however, wondering if A24 will take a spin on things because, uh, again, without dipping too much into spoilers... It's a happy ending story. However, A24 is not a happy ending studio. They make quality movies, but they don't make movies that make you feel happy inside. Um, however, holy crap does this movie look gorgeous. As soon as I saw The Green Knight for the first time, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need that as like a, a statue or a Funko Pop or whatever. <laughs> and also... There's more interesting, mysterious elements to the Green Knight himself. Um, but Dev Patel looks amazing as Sir Gawain. I think it's about time that we give Dev Patel more like mm-hmm. leading roles. He's a fantastic Agreed. actor. Um, and of course, of course, Joel Edgerton is in this movie, which means I have to see this. It's just required viewing. Um, yeah. This trailer, guys, I promise you, if you have not seen the Green Knight trailer already, the one that just dropped last week is one of the most visually striking and unique trailers you've seen in a very long time. But, um, Josh, you've seen the trailer for The Green Knight. What stands out to you most? Are you excited for this one? I think if Blade Runner 2069 or whatever... 2089? Uh, 
I was two decades off. Doesn't matter. Um, my point is, if that was set in Viking times, basically, like that's basically the quality of color in this in in this this trailer. I mean, basic. I mean, like I just I the scene I want a poster of is in the trailer where he's holding the axe up high oh, and the yeah. walks is like is like howling with him. I was like, bro, like. Yes, like this is so cool, and like I honestly had no idea about the myth, which is saying something, like because it's. I didn't either. As soon as I saw the trailer, though, I immediately got interested. So I looked up yeah. a whole bunch of videos, just going, "Okay, I need someone to explain this to me." Like I'm five, so yes, um, <laughs> yes. And it's it's interesting the turns that might be presented in this movie, what they do with it. Mm. And it's a twenty four. Like you are right in that they don't tell happy ending movies necessarily, and. In a lot of ways, I respect them about th- that even more. I respect the company for for that even more because they don't try to force their story to end in a specific way. They let it end in a natural position. So if that means that your main character is left in a, well, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. Like you know, it's it's kind of situation. Like I think it's even more of like. A big good points for for complex storytelling and honestly way to take like a very uh, uh, like not well-known myth and just turn it into this to me if, if the scale is as big as we think it is according to this trailer might be like the biggest epic that a, a24 has done to mm-hmm. this point now somebody could probably challenge me on that I have I admittedly have not seen every single a24 movie um, although I wish I had, um, but yeah, it's, I, d- dude, if this trailer doesn't get you hyped, I, I really don't know how else to explain it to you other than brainwashing it to you. Yeah. Like it looks so good, but also the cast, like, dude, like we said, Dev Patel, Joel Edgerton, the bad guy from Mission Impossible for, um, five and six, uh, uh, Solomon Lane, the actor that played him, um, who's, just, uh, Who's doing the voice of the Green Knight? I have a theory. Well, actually, no. I don't think it would be that guy. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's someone else in the cast. But to say who I think it is would spoil the the myth. I think there's some okay. voice modulation. I'll say that. I think there's some voice modulation happening. Um, if you want to know the legend, Josh, I'll tell you off the mic so we don't spoil it. Just on the off mm-hmm. chance that they do follow it to a T... But what I – I'm debating if I think A24 has the guts to do this. But with the whole legend being I'll return the strike, um, whatever strike happens to me a year and a day from now, and we see Dev Patel chop his head off, if in the movie the movie ends right as the Green Knight's bringing the axe down, and then, you, like you said, leave it ambiguous. Like – they have, and see, that's the thing. I'm they purposely totally leaving have out, the balls. I'm, I'm they purposely, totally have the balls. <laughs> I'm purposely leaving out some details, but keep in mind, myths were morality tales back in the day. And so will this movie follow the original morality of this story, or will they give Sir Gwaine a different type of morality, in which case you can change the ending and reveal mm-hmm. the things that you want to reveal? Um... Like I said, there's a lot of really interesting possibilities here. Uh, 
I'm overthinking this trailer that I'm sure not a lot of people have seen, but I I got really amped for this movie. No, absolutely. And like you said, like this is one of those movies I've been I've legit been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Just because it's, dude, let's let let I have to see this movie. Also, in in the theaters, I haven't seen a movie in the theaters yet, Ooh. and I, I might wait until Green Knight just so that's my first a quiet um, place theater too? experience. Oh, that's oh crap! Oh no! Oh no! Or <laughs> or. Or Josh could just wait until July to see the Forever Purge, the quote-unquote final Purge movie, to which I'm just going, yeah, sure. Um, this was the trailer that when we talked about the Snake Eyes trailer, that might have been the worst, but it has very close competition with the Forever Purge. Oh my gosh, how the mighty have fallen. This trailer is abysmal. I hate this trailer so much. Like... Is it just me, Josh, or did the Purge movies have all been low budget, but did this just get the budget of a USA special, basically? Like, this movie looks like Rambo Last Blood, the final 20 minutes of that movie, basically. Um, it This does not look or feel like a Purge movie. Uh, I was arguing with some people on Twitter uh, that generally there was some negative, but I saw one person being positive, and I didn't want to poo-poo on it, but... She's like, this doesn't feel like a Purge movie. He's just like, how does this not feel like a Purge movie? Well, it takes place in the middle of the day, in the middle of nowhere, with characters we've never met before. All the Purge movies before this have built on each other. The first one is an interesting self-contained story, but it's more interesting once you see the sequels of, of course, these people think this, they're rich. But if you stick a average wealth person or even uh, a poor person in the middle of a packed city, that's going to be interesting. And then... The second story built on the first one, and the third one built on the second one. And even the first Purge, which is the fourth movie, not confusing at all, set some groundwork for the future movies, even if it completely screwed up the timeline, but also stuck with that formula of people stuck in a big, huge, big, huge area that could have a lot of fatalities. This is... Yeah, we couldn't really afford anything, so uh, our producer let us shoot in his ranch for the weekend type of thing. Uh, and also, you and I have talked about before of The Purge is one of our favorite. We don't really call it a horror series because it's more of a action series at this point and always has been. But it's an action series that usually has some form of interesting political commentary to it. It's not always the deepest, but it will get you thinking and engaged. This one beats it over your head what the political commentary is. And that's fine to have political subtext in your movie, but having the uh, bad guys be people that couldn't let go of a government of decision and still acting on that decision, and they're inflicting that against a minority group. I'm like, I get what you're going for, but the purges, I'm saying this as the purge of all things. The purge is normally more subtle than this. Like... This is a little ridiculous. Yeah. It just did not feel like a Purge movie at all to me from this first it's... trailer. I'm going to try to do this as... I'm going to try to add at least some kind of positive spin to this. I Because it is The Purge, and... Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The Purge up to this point has kind of earned my 
trust in that they can make something decent out of something that might not seem very interesting. Um, I think that this is... Uh, you and I both are like, this is. there's no way this is the, uh, the final one. There's no way. Um, because A, I think the Purge, of all things, would want to go out with a ba- big old bang. But, Which is what I thought this would be, but I'll, I'll get to yeah, that in a bit. Yeah. I think... Because, yes, so the, to me, this is not much less of a. I, 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 I just, I'm gonna, I, there's no way I can do a positive spin on this because I really want this to like expand into something of like, okay, cool. So that if this is happening in like a Mexico City, what would that look like if people were like, cool, so we're just not gonna obey the law. We don't have to. Sorry, you know, like after the purge is over. What what would that look like in bigger cities? What would that look like if that you know swept the nation? Blah blah blah. That would be interesting, but I don't think that's where they're going with this. This is just like you said. Our producer got to let us you know shoot in his in his ranch, and we will fill the rest with CGI. It's fine. The trap with the goat at the beginning of the trailer super interesting to me. Although it would totally snap her neck. Anyway, um, but that's not the point. Um, it just seems like they're trying to go back to like a horror vibe that they never had. And it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Also, again, um, the first Purge, which is the fourth one, the, the first in the timeline. I was fine with that being a prequel, but I really, really wanted to see what the fallout would be after... Of the purge election year which case spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it at the end of the third purge movie the government basically says the purge was a bad idea we're getting rid of it and believe it or not the entire world was not happy with that decision just like any political decision it was about a 50 50 split and i think it'd be much more interesting to see the ramifications of that because like the other purges, they kind of are an over-exaggeration reflection of the society that we live in. So that could have been very, very significant to the world we live in today in a big, dense area. Bring back, um, oh, what was Frank Grillo's character's name? Leo. Bring back Leo from the second and third one. You don't need to bring back the president, but maybe spin it off of... I loved in the Purge movies having the two different factions of the New Founding Fathers versus the... Oh, who was the... Who was the group led by the guy that was in the house in the first movie? But you know what I'm talking about. There's two rival organizations. Yeah, having, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Instead of calling this the Forever Purge, Purge Civil War of... Some, yeah, do something unique with your story. Don't just be like, hey, this is it, guys, the Forever Purge. <laughs> like, I I mean, I know I'm. we're saying we're, we're uh, being armchair quarterbacks here, but like... Hmm, that could be a series right there. Yes, I, 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 look, man, I got ideas. That's over a here, good. Man. That's actually might be a better name for the series that we're thinking of doing. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but armchair movies. Arm, no, nah, armchair, arm, armchair producers. I don't know. Anyway, that's the side. That's not. That's not part of the discussion. Regardless, is um, I, I would, I think the Snake Eyes trailer is worse than this, only because a, it's so short. And it doesn't give us anything to be excited about. At okay, the very yes. least, at the very least, this trailer 
got an emotion out of you. <laughs> also, I'll give credit where credit's due with this trailer. This, unlike the Snake Eyes trailer, told us what the story would be, if nothing else. Yes. It might not be a story direction we would have liked the franchise to go or are big fans of, but at least it did tell the story of what the movie is supposed to be, which is what the job of a trailer is supposed to do, even if they didn't know it. So, Indiana Jones is really adding to their cast rapidly. If you're not getting cast in a Knives Out sequel, you're getting cast in Indiana Jones lately. Those are the only castings I've heard lately. Uh, but we've got another one to add to the cast, and honestly, this one gets me just as excited as the Maz Mickelson thing. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 has added Boyd Holbrook to the cast. For those that don't know, Boyd Holbrook is the main antagonist from Logan. I'm your Huckleberry. Um, oh, he's just so... Ugh. But I feel like he gets typecast as the bad guy a lot, but... He does it so well. However, I don't think he'll be the bad guy this time. Um, maybe just to try and break away from <laughs> tradition. Primarily because we already know Mads Mikkelsen is the bad guy. Um, this doesn't surprise me because directors like to work with actors time and time again. And, hmm, James Mangold did Logan. James Mangold did Ford v. Ferrari. James Mangold is doing Indiana Jones 5, and I still will die on the hill that I think he's a better choice than Steven Spielberg nowadays. Don't get me wrong, Spielberg still has his greatest of all time director's gig, but um, recently other directors I think have passed him by in terms of their current output, and I think James Mangold is one of them. Uh, it never hurts to add talent, and Boyd Holbrook is one of those up-and-coming big-name guys, so I'm absolutely on board for this. Yeah. I mean, anything to make this movie work and be better than The Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Um, hey, Nathan, question for you. Is there is there any is there any cast a person you think you would... Uh, huh. I'm looking at the graphic, obviously. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there's a person you might think that he, he could be. Um, he kind of looks like Garrett Hedlund. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the generic uh, white guy with a terrible mustache. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, He's not plus. playing Mutt. <laughs> Recast him. Mutt has to be in it. Dang it. No. Even, yes, I love Mutt. Oh, um, maybe I just love Shia LaBeouf again. That that is true. That is true. Um. Okay. Of all the cast we've gotten so far. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Harrison Ford, naturally, John Williams doing the score, Boyd Holbrook. If you had to pinpoint one name, James Mangold will throw that in. If there's one name above all that's attached to the Indiana Jones 5 project right now, who's the top of your list of, like, that's what gets me the most excited? Mads. Like, automatically. <laughs> like, he's, he's like one of the best guys that, okay, he's, how do I say this? He's the best at being being, the worst. Yeah, he's just so good. Like, he's so incredibly talented. And not to say previous actors of villains in previous uh, Indiana Jones films have not been good, they've gotten the job done. Now, I want want an Indiana Jones villain that is not just like, ooh, I have a lot of money. I'm going to get ahead of... Get ahead of, uh, and I'm a Nazi, and I'm going to get ahead of Indiana Jones. Uh, and Dr. Steal all this Jones, stuff. there's nothing that you cannot claim that I cannot also take away yes, with what's-his-face. 
Uh, to be fair, though, just because it's a good actor doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Clate, Kate Blanchett in Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Skull was a choice, but um, I don't blame her for that at all. It yeah, was... I think she did what she, what she could. Yeah. Um, I think Mads Mikkelsen's up there, but to me, I'm still the most excited for James Mangold being the one directing this. Um, okay. And I know some people will still say he's over the hump, but again, when you get Harrison Ford motivated... He's still one of the best in the game because even though the sequel trilogy is not the most cohesive piece together, you can't tell me that Han isn't still trying his absolute best. Like, for a character that Harrison was supposedly through with and had no interest in returning to be after Return of the Jedi, he still gave everything he had to be Han Solo, maybe because he knew he was going to die. So I still kind of expect the same here. And I think growing this fantastic cast around him alleviates the burden from his shoulders in terms of narrative but also stunt work like yeah they were making old jokes in kingdom of the crystal skull about his age so it's only going to continue here um but this is really shaping up to be a really really good cast um i'm really more curious when do cameras start rolling on this or we're just going to keep adding people like their pokemon and just be like We've been collecting you to our cast. We're never going to roll cameras. We're just going to collect you, and you can't do any other movies. Yeah, eventually. I mean, people. a lot of stuff is shooting now, so, I mean, it could be That's true. within the next, the next few months. Who knows? Speaking of things that are shooting, we've got something that's filming <laughs> next month, actually. Jeez. Um, so, Peacock just randomly decided, oh, hey. We haven't announced any original content in a few months. So um, we're just going to bless your timeline with a whole bunch of stuff this week. And so uh, one day last week, it was either Thursday or Friday, they are like, we're going to announce something. And everyone immediately knew, oh, so we're getting a new psych movie. And I'm just like, even as the diehard, diehard psych fan that I am, I'm like, how are y'all getting that information? And so somebody was just like, oh, there's a there's a um, location and filming sheet that's online that basically says, oh, yeah, in British Columbia, they're going to be filming Psych 3. This is Gus. And I'm like, that's oddly specific. And like four or five hours later, it was confirmed we're getting a new Psych movie, to which I'm just going, whoever your source is on that, um, do you have their email and contact information for scoops going forward? Because I would like to know casting sheets going forward. But... Ah, this just this just makes my heart happy. Um, I'm a big psycho in many many ways. You that you could probably piece that together in all senses of the word. Um, <laughs> all right, buddy. Okay, yeah, I'll let you have that one. All right, that's fine. That's what we're called. No, I, I no no, I, I'm not willing to accept that. Sorry. I refuse to be called Hoovian. Because those people are crazy, come at me. <laughs> we are awesome. I don't know what you're talking. I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Josh, if you're in the fandom, stick up for yourself and just no, admit it. No, no, I don't feel like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very picky about my doctors, so it's. Uh, I don't really like. <laughs> the long, I should, all right, just talk about Scott Sykes so I can stop digging myself a, a Doctor Who hole. <laughs> <laughs> a Doctor oh, Who hole. Stop! All right, listen. We're you're psycho. Okay, let's go. Come on, I, come on, come on. I am psycho. I'm black, and he's ten. How dare you make that assumption? Uh, so, uh, yes, Psych is probably my most beloved TV show in 
history. There's not a single show that I've seen more episodes of. I've seen the Tim Curry and the Fred, Freddie Prince Jr. episodes more times than is probably allowed or should be deemed appropriate because those are fantastic. It is my favorite show of all time. And I still have not gotten over their abrupt canceling in season eight when they're just like, oh, yeah, we're going on winter break, just like most TV shows. When we come back, that's it, guys. And like, what? Okay, sure. We're going to get 10 episodes instead of 16. But they made up for it by having a um, straight to TV movie, uh, basically just psych the movie with Zachary Levi as the bad guy. And it sucked, and I hated it. The first Psych movie was so bad, but also they were kind of limited. I feel like there might have been some script rewrites because uh, Timothy all not Oliphant, uh, Timothy Amundsen, I was getting Justified guy mixed up, um, Timothy Amundsen had a massive stroke right before filming, so he was more or less completely sidelined from the movie, which is why the second one is called Last uh, Psych 2, Lassie Comes Home, in which case he's much more of a prominent character, in which case his character, hmm, just had a stroke and is more or less bedridden for the entire movie. So they really wanted to incorporate him and because he's family to that cast. And he's a, such an important role in that. Um, this just makes me happy. It will continue. They said in this story, it will see the birth of Gus's child now. And he will finally get be getting married. To which I'm just going, hmm. Does this mean Sean and Juliet will finally get married after eight seasons and two movies? Because you no. keep dangling that carrot in front of us um however i know i can't be the needy fan here but i'm gonna be the needy fan here the finale of psych teased something that i think the show creators want us to forget about but i never will they set up a potential crossover for a franchise that peacock is frankly just sitting on And I could absolutely see this being a launching point for revitalization of Monk. Because, for those that might remember, Monk used to come on right before Psych. So, like, Monk was a really popular show. Whenever you have a new show, you have it right after your successful show. That way you have a trickle-down effect. Well, in the Psych finale, the characters moved to San Francisco. And they're just like, we're here to be San Francisco! Help the San Francisco Police Department! And... The chief police is like, sorry, we already have a guy. He's currently alphabetizing the fridge, to which you're just like, that's got to be Monk. And I've always wanted a Monk-Psych crossover because, honestly, their styles are very, very similar. They, bo- they both really have that USA Network vibe to them. Um, so I would absolutely need that. But also, where the heck is Tony Shalhoub? other than voicing Splinter, which I still think that's one of the weirdest voice acting castings of all time. Josh, were you either a Psych or a Monk fan at any point in your life? Um, I mean, I watched the whole show. Of which? Uh, Psych, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. I've seen a good chunk of, of Monk. Not a lot, but like enough to know what he's about, who he is, and blah, 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 and, like, how the story beats of every episode go, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's very interesting. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm happy you get a, get another movie, buddy. I'm happy for you. <laughs> this is this is your penance, Josh. It was either I have a psych news topic to indulge me, or we talk about the Friends reunion special to torture Josh. Because they released yeah, that teaser trailer. Which don't would you, you rather dare. have us talk about, Josh? Don't you dare! Oh, okay, okay, here's the thing, though. Uh, 
my little <laughs> grain of salt that I got to rub in all of the Friends fans' wounds was that HBO had to put out like a a a, a um, like a statement saying, "This is not the show coming back. This is a special with just a like a reunion." And I was like, "Ha ha 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 ha." However. Stop. No, 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 So HBO Max did HBO clearly is not the originator of Friends. That was an NBC yes. show, wasn't it? I believe so. I can absolutely see whenever the contract runs up between Friends and HBO Max, there'll be another massive bidding war. Maybe Amazon will bid on it, maybe Hulu will bid on it. If Peacock gets it back. Mark my words, there will be a Friends revival series like they've done with Punky Brewster, um, what they've done with Saved by the Bell, what they should do with Monk. Um, that I could absolutely see that, but that would be a long way off because Friends is firmly in the back butt pocket of HBO Max, whether Josh likes it or not. But as we'll get into our discussion in a little bit here, HBO Max might not be a thing for much longer, and this is going to sound mean. But that's probably for the best. Sometimes something has to die in order to come back stronger. Yes. But before we get into all that, as per usual, you should know by now, or this is like our third week doing this, our sponsor is ourselves. We have merch. We've got Uncharted Media stuff. Uh, and the link in the description, basically, if you want T-shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, mugs, uh, stickers, We've got it all, because why not? Uh, if you like Uncharted Media, you want some Uncharted Media merch, just go to the link in the description and get yourself some. Uh, advertise this to your friends. Do whatever you feel is necessary to express the love and appreciation that you have for Uncharted Media. And if you hate us, keep it to yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So we were going to talk about, there's a scorching variety article on the new Disney CEO, Bob Chapek. And we'll probably open with that and close with the devastating hurricane that is Warner Media. So let's, let's start with, let's start with the Disney thing. So I have been, I would say a little tiny bit vocal, um, just a, just a little bit about my utter disdain not just hatred hatred disdain frustration anger whatever adjective you want to describe with bob chapek as soon as he was announced as ceo because i kind of knew going into it that he was a front runner and i was really hoping he would not be the case well theme park fans like myself have known for a while that he was going to be a bad influence for the company but now it's getting to mainstream ears basically what's happened um, and so Variety wrote a very interesting article about the direction that Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, will be taking the company and how internally even this is ruffling some feathers the wrong way. So I'm going to be referring to the handy dandy tablet this week for um, some notes because um, first off, Chapek in a recent uh earnings call was asked about the theatrical window because you know premier access is a thing that basically has been a very hot topic with people somebody 
Bless this reporter's heart. I wish I had this many stones. Straight up ask Bob Chapek. Do you think you'd ever go back to just a solely theatrical release schedule because Premiere Access has not gone over particularly well and theatrical experiences is still the best way to generate money? To which Chapek, oh boy, like the absolute moron that he is, just goes, well, uh, on the contrary, if you look at shows like The Mandarin, Mandalorian, not The Mandan, The Mandarin, The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, that's generated a tremendous amount of merchandising sales, and that never even reached theaters, to which all of us just have that gif just going, no, slapping your forehead, just going, you did not just go there. One, you can't compare a TV show on a streaming service to a box office success of a movie. Two completely different things. But two, you said nothing about the fan popularity of the show, critical reception, unifying the fandom after it had been fractured in two after the sequel trilogy. No, you immediately go straight to, look how many Baby Yoda toys we sold because of this. And that right there is the biggest red flag currently with the Disney CEO, Bob Chapek. His bottom line is money-oriented to the point that he's almost completely undoing everything that the previous CEO did. Uh, Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney before Chapek uh, came in. Iger came in more or less to fix the damage that was caused by Michael Eisner towards the tail end of his tenure. Iger repaired the relationship with Pixar because if you didn't know, uh, Pixar basically almost left Disney and became its own independent studio and worked for somebody else until Iger bought Pixar, then bought the Muppets, then bought something, I, you might have heard of it, Marvel. He bought Marvel, and that became the big success. Then he bought Lucasfilm. We can debate if that was a good choice or not. I still maintain it was, and it was just the sequel trilogy that's really hurt them. But Iger was about creativity and taking away uh, unnecessary items in a management perspective and letting people just do the work. Chapek is on the complete opposite side, and this is supposedly internally led to a massive rift between Iger and Chapek. Iger basically picked Chapek, and now is just going, oh no, what have I done? And all of us are going, what have you done? Um, but also, Chapek is, since he's such a money guy, he does not care if the right people are in charge, only if money is being made. Hence why the head of the movie division now at Disney is the guy that used to be in charge of consumer products. And I'm going, oh, no. Oh, no. This is bad. This is this is very, very bad. Uh, I could rant a lot more on this, and I'm sure I will. But before I get too deep into this, Josh... As a Disney outsider, someone that's not in the theme park bubble, who doesn't follow Disney news on a regular basis, have you already started to notice a Chapek change, as I'm going to call it from here on out? I mean, yeah. Anytime, I think you and I have always said, anytime a, a production company, a media company, puts sales and merch above quality of product, it's never going not I'm not gonna say never, but it's it won't go as well as you think it will. Like 
the reason Marvel did so well was because they told good stories, minus a few. But even then, those are still, in comparison, better than most of other movies coming out. So it's like, I, you can't, I'm sorry, JPEG, but you can't hear and hear, sit here and say that those movies did well because of the marketing. But like your you your marketing might get butts in the seats, but that's not what keeps them there. I him quoting the the merch sales I think is incredibly telling. I don't I personally don't follow a lot of the the Disney news, but even something as hey, so the new Milan movie is going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, that's so cool! I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be. 40 bucks on top of the subscription that 30, you already pay yeah. for. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, you, like, on top of the subscription you already pay for. Oh, um, that's interesting. I don't think I'll be watching it then for a while. I guess I'll just wait until they – it's like – But also, to piggyback off of that with this Premier Access thing – only certain movies will have to pay this 30 bucks. If you're a oh Pixar movie, screw you. You're just yeah. going to be a free movie, which if I'm working for Pixar, that is completely and utterly demoralizing to see a movie like Mulan be like, okay, we value this movie at $30 or Soul or um, Luca, I think it will also be free to see those movies just go, we value your movie as free. We think people should be able to watch your movie for free. We think this movie's so good, people should have to pay for it. Like, if I'm Pixar, that basically is a slap to the face to my talents and my abilities of, did you forget, JPEG, that Pixar for a while there single-handedly kept the Disney brand alive when, after the Disney Renaissance, you basically made a lot of crap movies and Pixar kept it afloat until you got your game back with, like, Frozen, I'll give credit where credit's due, Tangled, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Big Hero 6, like, it ebbs and flows of really, um, when Pixar dips a little bit, Disney Animation rises, when Disney Animation dips a little bit, Pixar rises, you need good morale, and from everything I've heard, he keeps morale low, doesn't, like, intentionally keep it low, but people are nervous to be around him, if you see Chapek, you're afraid for your job, essentially, um, there's just, a lot of things that raise a lot of red flags from a marketing perspective and also from a theme park perspective. I've not been to Disney in months. I grew up on Disney, went for almost like a solid decade. I go maybe once or twice a year when people are in town. That's about it. And as a person that lives in Florida, theme parks live and die by their annual passes. That's just a given. When it's slow season, you expect your locals to be the one that sustain your income because they're they're like, okay, tourists aren't here i'll go visit the park since disney world has reopened the park they do not have a single annual pass offering they have canceled annual passes because chapex sees people and go and goes okay we can make more money if people buy individual day passes as opposed to buying an annual pass as a one-time purchase, he would rather keep milking you for all you are worth for day pass, which I'm going, as a local, that's incredibly insulting, going, really? You need us. Come January through spring break, or September through December, when the parks are almost, like, dead. You're gonna be 
begging for the locals to come. You need annual passes. On the flip side, Universal has lowered the annual passes prices so people can come. So they can get the locals. So they can get their money back. But Disney still is not bringing people back at the rate that they should be for the theme parks. They're massively understaffed, but they don't want to bring back people. Whereas Universal just announced they're bringing back 2,000 of their furloughed employees. And Disney can't do that. I'm very concerned about Chapek, but it makes me happy that this is happening because Disney was the king on the throne for a while in terms of entertainment, but the king got fat and lazy and couldn't see the threat that was facing his kingdom. And holy crap, a big, huge dragon is coming to that kingdom, to that magic kingdom, if you will, sooner rather than later, because Disney, in their attempt to try to knock out the competition with a big, huge right hook, overswung so hard that they punched themselves in the jaw and almost knocked themselves out. Right now, Disney is staggered, and there's a company that's going to be on the offensive soon that we're going to talk about. But before we talk about the number one contender right now to the title of Disney, there's another contender. I wouldn't even say the underdog right now, but the mid-tier streaming service, but he's got the best manager in the business to speak wrestling terms, basically, yeah. of Amazon Prime. A lot of you have Amazon Prime, but you might forget that you have it because you have Amazon Prime for shipping. It's it's one of those streaming services that people have, but it's not the top numbers in terms of viewership. Even though they've got great programming, like The Boys are Invincible, and we've talked about how much they're spending for Lord of the Rings. Well, Amazon is seeing that other people are in an acquisition mood, so they're just like, you know what? We're going to be in an acquisition mood, too, as it seems incredibly likely that it hasn't been confirmed yet. They're still in final talks that Amazon might be buying MGM Studios, the entire film company, for around $9 billion. Which, honestly, looking at the vast catalog that MGM has made, $9 billion actually might be a little generous, to be honest. Because uh, MGM is all the Rocky movies, all the Hobbit movies, all the James Bond movies. There are some big franchises. And also, in terms of legacy, MGM is a big name. I'm thinking MGM will be bought sometime soon. Josh, what what are you thinking about Amazon's moves yeah. here? It's here's Amazon is trying to like like you said, broaden their their catalog. And I think at the same time, imagine what Amazon could do with MGM Studios. Like if they had access to actual, not saying that they don't, but, like, actually had access to A-list um, celebrities, had access to A-list directors, and, you know, like, top-tier um, sound stages. Like, what would happen, not to say that MGM has that kind of stuff, but still, it's it, it, to me, it would just take it to the next level, which, I mean, with between The Boys and Invincible and some, some other stuff that is Netflix, not Netflix, Amazon Prime, um... They're on the way up, man. I, I think they're the sleeping giant in this in this streaming world here. I, I don't disagree. I could see that. I think there's another sleeping giant here instead of Amazon <laughs> that I'll, people are sleeping on. It's not who you think. Peacock, mm. watch out, 
for Peacock, people. I'm serious when I say this because, right, as it stands right now, I think Peacock of the major streaming services, I'd probably say it's the most underrated. I really actually like Peacock a lot. One, they're affordable. It's five bucks a month with ads, 10 bucks without ads. They've got a huge library of content, even if you're not a wrestling fan. Having the entire WWE network pays for itself. If you're a WWE network subscriber and you already had that, you basically just got Peacock for free because WWE network was 10 bucks and now you just got all of that. And for non-wrestling fans who might not realize how much that is, that's like 10 to 20,000 hours of content in the WWE folder alone. But Peacock, I think if Amazon doesn't make a big purchase here, the next one to make a purchase will be mm-hmm. Peacock because yeah. you got to look at who owns Peacock. Like how AT&T used to own Warner Brothers, Peacock and Universal are owned by Comcast, who is one of the biggest names in the game right now amazon's got deep pockets but comcast has deep pockets too by the end of the year if this discovery warner media thing doesn't go through like we're going to talk about here don't be surprised if peacock swoops in and steals uh warner media away from discovery in which case you'd have all the content on peacock and make that a complete service i'm saying it now If not by the end of the summer, by the end of the year, all the major studios except for Disney will have acquired a new company. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Amazon acquiring MGM, Apple, I still believe Apple might buy Sony, at least Sony Pictures. Someone will buy Sony Pictures soon because... That's another asset library. Sony's been loaning stuff out. I think Sony might be in the market to sell. MGM was probably going to somebody. Peacock, if this Warner Media thing does go with Discover, Peacock will have missed out because supposedly they were a buyer in this too. They're going to be looking for, okay, who can we buy? What what IPs can we purchase? Because we think the streaming wars are big now. Streaming is about to be even bigger And it's about to be like a four-horse race. And the four horses that will be in this race are going to be turned into tanks. Because it will be not so much who's got what content. It's going to be how much content do you have and how much variety. Because um, the big headline here that we'll talk about later as our big huge closing thing is Discovering Warner Media. If that merges together, that actually provides them with more content than even Netflix has right now. So, Josh, let's let's talk a little bit here about studios mm-hmm. being in a buy, buy, buy mentality. <laughs> it's like Backstreet Boys, um, because Stop. because buy, buy, buy. Um, who Is do it, you see being? Hold the on, ne- that's in sync. They're the same thing. They've all got spaghetti hair. Ooh, all right, internet, eat them alive. Eat them alive. Who? Okay. Even I know there's a difference. No, there's not. One has talent. One has. One's Backstreet Boys. Oh. <laughs> who do you see being the biggest buyers, and who do you see being the biggest sellers? Who Who do you think goes with who? I don't know, man. I. 
I think H the oh, HBO Max, sorry the the Time Warner Discovery thing I think is gonna still be the bit. It's gonna go through at this point. I don't think there's any chance that it doesn't. Um, after them, I'd say Peacock. Peacock's gonna be buying. They have to. Um, Do you Netflix have any guesses is, of who? See, that's the thing. I don't know who, what studios are in the mood to sell. Probably Sony, if Apple doesn't. I see. Like, I just like the idea of Apple buying another company is so weird to me because they they don't, or it makes or it does make sense because they don't have any really any real content. Nobody outside of yeah of, Apple of iPhone. Apple, if they don't do something soon, will be left in the dust, and it will be an embarrassment for them. Ooh, I just totally hit my knee on my desk. Uh, um, uh, but I think uh, MGM would most likely go to Amazon. Ow, that hurts so much. Um, Says I, the former I, wrestler. Oh, dude. I, anybody who's actually, like, wrestled knows, like, your knees will always be trash for the rest of your life. Um <sighs> Focus, focus. Lamaze um, breathing. Uh, <laughs> He's laboring over this question, laboring. people. Um, I, I think, at this point, the question is less who's buying more, who's who's selling more. It's more of what is Disney doing to get behind at this point, because. They're not making really any moves. I mean, sure, it's easy to sit here and be like, cool, yeah, uh, that's not true because look at all their original content they put out recently and is coming down the road very soon. Yeah, but... The rate in which they... Outside of Star Wars and Marvel? The rate at which they churn out their original content is also really slow. I've often said, Disney+, Plus, I love you, but... Don't make me wait for one show to finish before you introduce a new one, basically. Like, you're allowed to drop multiple things at once. Um, but Disney, I think if they get desperate, and it's still something that I'm scratching my head about why they haven't implemented anything with this at all, is they ha- they bought Fox. They have a f- whole crap ton of properties that they got from the Fox deal that's just kind of sitting not doing anything, collecting dust. Now, they're using it overseas with Disney Plus mixed with stars, and so basically almost all their content is on one platform, and then you have parental controls for the adult stuff. I can see that coming to America sooner rather than later if Disney starts falling behind. Of Disney Plus is your one-stop shop for everything. You want to watch Predator, Alien, Deadpool, Family Guy, all on Disney Plus, but you can have parental controls so your kids can't watch it. That'll make the parents happy make the kids happy um mm-hmm. i could see that absolutely happening if disney starts its trail in which case if you don't have it if you don't incorporate the acquisition that you made with fox you're gonna fall behind really really quickly here if, if you're quantifying your success by mer- on the streaming services by merch sales you are already behind i'm sorry dude like Time Warner and like Discovery, like, do can we dive into this? Because this is huge. Mm-hmm. This is a much bigger deal than I had previously thought. And like, you were like, "Hey, let's we need to talk about this." And I was like, "Cool, I'll look into it, or whatever." Yeah, like this is a big deal. I think people the are sleeping of- on how big this is 
Yeah, the amount of companies that are involved in this in this whole merger is mind blowing. Yeah. Okay. So, Josh. Yeah. Since you're already on it, kick us off with this. So in layman's terms, what has happened with Discovery and Time Warner? So this is the merging, right? So, which I mean, so, it's crazy to me that Discovery is the one buying, because like, I mean, it's Discovery. Like they're just they're Animal Planet, you know. Like that's that's them. Like that's not, but. No, they didn't go Animal Planet. They went full on savage. Like whoa, they got tired it's... of being little brother here. And from honestly, from that, that video you sent me, and just from other research that I've I've kind of done, it, they're not as little of a uh, they're not as little of a fish as I thought. No, like a Eurosport, I had no idea it was them, and that's like literally one of the only like sports channels outside of ESPN around on the other side of the planet. Like that's so big i and i think the biggest thing about this is this merger makes a move into the global market and much less mm-hmm. about the american market which is something i never thought that i josh the guy who reads comics for fun would ever find super interesting like they and that was something i think the guy from from at&t was talking about was like like I don't think people are ready for how big this is going to get, and this is both of our companies making that move with the idea that this is where it's gonna go. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, dude. So way to make that big move. So in 2018, AT&T bought Time Warner, which is Warner Brothers, TNT, TBS, it, all the stuff that you see on HBO Max and more. But a lot of skeptics were like. Guys, you're a cable and internet service. What are you doing in the entertainment business? And they absolutely bungled it. They spent like 80 or 90 billion to get Time Warner. And now they've sold it to Discovery. Well, they're still going to be financially involved with it. But they're basically handing off the creative range saying, all right, we give up after three years. And they've sold it for half of what they bought it for. If this is not AT&T raising the white flags from a business perspective, I don't know what is. But guys, I know some of you might not have Discovery Plus out there. Um, the prevailing expert in my life right now is Heather because she signed up for not too long ago. And she swears by it. It's five bucks a month. And they are over delivering on content on that streaming service like holy crap there's a ton you've got all the food network stuff so i've been watching um dine-ins drive-ins and dives with guy fietti um animal planet like josh said history channel the whole bunch of stuff but like, he- here's yeah, the thing like- it came late into the streaming game it's the most recent streaming service on the market and it's already passed 15 million subscribers in like no time considering it hasn't had the strongest of marketing campaigns other than facebook everywhere on facebook um but other than that it has had steady growth as opposed to hbo max which has been an absolute disaster from a streaming service and some people be like but the snyder Cut was a success in terms of overall streaming service growth no it wasn't but to be fair godzilla vs kong was an overwhelming success. Wonder Woman 1984 was an overwhelming success. Mortal Kombat was an overwhelming success. Almost everything about the launch of HBO Max has gone the worst possible route. And Discovery, on the other hand, did 
didn't call attention to itself. It's done incredibly well. The guy running Discovery was the one in the interview that Josh and I were talking about that was on either CNN or CNBC that he was it's talking awesome. with um, the head of AT&T. And he's, he understands his product so well and understands the entertainment climate. But it not being with AT&T anymore means it is now an entertainment company running Time Warner as opposed to a cable company running an entertainment business. An entertainment company is now with an entertainment company. How novel of a concept. Bro, so just like perspective here, right? So with this merger under one banner, you're going to have so all of HBO, so whatever's on HBO Max is going to be on is going to be here your CNN catalog, whatever that means, most likely documentaries and stuff like that, your T- TBS catalog, your TNT catalog, Cartoon Network, the, the uh, Warner Bros. films films and TV shows. And then Discovery's got DC. HG, the DC DC's Comics. in there. There's uh, HGTV, that, net, that whole catalog. And like what? They're like 15,000 shows they have. When that's overestimating the stuff. Um, the, the Food Network um catalog tlc animal planet owns so oprah net uh oprah winfrey's network which is a big deal mm-hmm. and then all of the investigation stuff like it's just like i i don't think people understand how big of a deal this is because i guess i personally didn't realize how much quote-unquote mainstream tv comes from discovery like there's not a single person like my age at least that i don't know at least casually watches HGTV or House Hunters. Network. House Hunters for life. House Hunters, baby. Uh, Property Brothers is my jam too. I really like them too. Anyway, almost anything. That, <gasps> Unwrapped, man. Unwrapped. Bro, like yeah, you know, not 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 that we like watch. Heck no, I will unabashedly <laughs> you know, say I love whatever. me some Food Network, man. <laughs> Guy Fieri is the man. Dude. Um, but like, like this, my assumption is the two of them. We already know that they'll be forming a completely new company, in which case. Uh, they said they'll be announcing the name for that in the coming weeks. So when that drops, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about that as a news topic. Uh, my assumption is this will be one shared mega app. So goodbye, HBO Max. Hello to whatever this new thing is. I see this as the death of the modern cable system because if this has a live feature like Peacock has for some of its channels, you already said this has a... This is almost all basic cable stuff. Cartoon Network, TBS, TNT, Food Network, A&E, all Discovery, History Channel, all on one platform. Minus two or three channels. That's basically basic cable in and of itself. Now, something I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, and I'd be curious from a contract standpoint. Josh, you know what also happens on TNT and TBS? Hmm. Live sports. March Madness, the NBA tournaments, NBA championship tournaments. So that's got that in its back pocket. Fox has baseball, whatever else. TBS and TNT have very specific sports contracts. Believe me, I'm very aware of some of them. Um, So if you integrate sports into this, this just makes sense from a... You have HBO Max, which is all scripted stuff, TV shows and everything else, where uh, Discovery is more of reality TV type stuff melting into one platform. 
with one unified vision. So let's talk about the managerial shift because if you're going to have two separate companies, who's going to be in charge of that? Well, looks like it's going to be the Discovery guy, not the Time Warner guy, to which I'm just going, hallelujah, because Jason Kalar is gone or will be gone. So who is Jason Kalar? Jason Kalar was the head of Time Warner and was more or less the guy that oversaw the launch of HBO Max and bungled every single decision you possibly could have made with the streaming service. I will still attest to the quality of content that's on HBO Max. That being said, in its current state, HBO Max has so much room for improvement, it's not even funny. You launched with a very faulty and unstable app that wasn't on a lot of platforms. You launched your app not on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick, the biggest streaming devices for people to watch on stuff. When I had to watch when I wanted to watch stuff, I had to hook up a Chromecast to my TV to be able to watch anything on HBO Max, which you shouldn't have to do when Roku is basically the standard, Roku or Fire Sticks, whatever else. No 4K content and whenever anybody asked about him about it, he would always just say, "Oh, it's on the horizon without giving any details and he would almost kind of get passive aggressive about both the numbers and 4k content just like i'm tired of hearing about this it's just like then do something about it we're tired of the five 4k movies that we have with like three dc movies and whatever current box office movie it is it was jason kalar's decision to go yeah we should have movies in theaters and on hbo max the same day for no additional cost and it just made every director and studio pissed because they were not informed and also at ruined any of their chances of making a decent buck at the box office. That burned a lot of bridges that Discovery is going to have to rebuild. And this new management, I think, can do that because I've seen a few interviews now with the head of Discovery. And this guy just seems to have a good head on his shoulders of understanding the marketplace and understanding his content. Um, from the content creator standpoint from Discovery, a lot of them have come out and said that they really enjoy working for Discovery because there's a lot of freedom. It feels very much like it's Guy Fieri's shows feel like he made them. Fixed Upper with Chip and Joanna feel like their show. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. studio meddling is involved. And just hearing the head of Discovery's comments about the way he runs things, it sounds much more creator-focused And also, we'll get into it later, but holy crap, are they pouring in a lot of money into content going forward? Yeah, it's... At the end of the day, I think what's interesting is that Discovery, the guy that's running Discovery, seems to be doing the opposite of of, uh, Chapek. He seems to be taking after Igers very well, whereas the creators are the ones that create your content, you know? Like, which is... Uh, kind of what Disney has been doing and is what has made them a lot of money over the years. I'm so glad you said Iger because in the interview that I sent Josh for homework um, talking about when it was the CNBC interview with the head of AT&T and the head of Discovery that um, somebody asked the head of Discovery something about streaming and he's just like yeah we really liked what Bob Iger did over at Disney and I'm just died laughing at that going he just completely threw Bob Chapek under the bus because Bob Iger hasn't run anything in months. And it's been, mm-hmm. cha- he's just like, Oh yeah, we really liked what Bob 
Iger has done with Disney. And I'm just like, ooh, I love you even more, Discovery Guy. But could you, dude, hmm. could you imagine if Kevin Feige left Marvel in the next couple of years? If Chapek continues or, to interfere, then maybe. I mean, just like think about like not not what it would do to Disney, but what it would do to literally the rest of the market if Pixar and Feige left Disney. Pixar cannot. Like, Pixar can't. They're owned by Disney. They've been bought out. But Kevin Feige, <laughs> I think Kevin Feige staying in the MCU all depends on. So the current head of. Uh, Disney Films is a guy by the name of Alan Horn, who was brought out of retirement Bob by Bob Iger. Mm-hmm. His contract runs up at the end of this year. So a lot of people, myself included, believe he'll go back to retirement. The man has earned it. He probably shouldn't even had needed to come out of retirement in the first place, but he did as a favor to Iger. Alan Horn is retiring. Whoever replaces Alan Horn is critical going forward for the direction of Disney. I do not have the faith in Chapek to do it. However, there's one name that I think feasibly could be a possibility. John Favreau. Oh, I was going to say Zack Snyder. No, Zack Snyder <laughs> just needs to stop talking and stop biting the hand that feeds him because he keeps doing it. I'm like, dude, we know you and Warner Bros. not on good terms. Just, just split both of you you go over there you go over there stop talking to each other okay <laughs> jesus um but but nathan it's warner brothers fault they're the one that does silencing zach snyder okay yeah quick tangent i saw it today he's just like yeah they turned Whoa. down my script for 300 uh three and i was just like and then he's well, just nobody like nobody wanted that he's just like yeah they really just did not want to work on a 300 three it's like yeah because part two was unnecessary and could grossly under delivered like, the second one I thought flopped at the box office, and the third one, no. It has nothing to do with you personally, Zach. It's a 300 part three. doesn't make sense. It's like Gladiator part two, which we're still getting for some reason. Um, but what I loved hearing from the head of Discovery was just, like, he talked up the IPs that Warner has had. He's just like, I, uh, HBO and Time Warner have had these great IPs and great intellectual properties that have really been either sat by the wayside or that we can really use that people care about and what i loved more than anything he said and i quote um they have such great ips and intellectual properties like superman batman lord of the rings and i was like the first name that you said was superman i literally stood up and cheered going this guy gets it he understands that people still care about this character he understands yes superman whether you make movies about him or not is and always will be one of the biggest and most recognizable brands in the world and the fact that at&t just sat on that will forever just boggle my mind going in terms of most recognizable logos in the world you've got the Superman diamond, the bat symbol, and maybe uh, a Christian cross in terms of like the most recognizable symbols in the world. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were just like, we don't know what we're going to do with Superman. BS. Come on now. But I love the fact that the head of Discovery was just like, 
Superman is one of the biggest names in the world. We're glad he's in our camp now. Like, he's so happy to have these things now. Superman, Batman, there are so many great assets in the Warner Brothers catalog. We might be able to do something with Iron Giant because I have to bring that up every time. Um, but he, the way he talked about things, he's just like, we want people to be able to tell their story and be creative with it. It's like, this is a complete 180 from AT&T's perspective, which is generate money, generate money, generate money. Um, me being a comics fan, I got really curious because AT&T was very, for better or for worse, hands-on with the comic book side of it, as well as the movies. But the comic book specifically, there was a move that they tried to do a few years ago few years ago called 5g in which case they would have relaunched the entire dc universe but batman was now going to be black superman was now going to be jonathan kent it was basically like i hate to say the word woke but it was basically woke um woke dc and fans rejected that wholeheartedly and so they kind of like backed off on it and kind of met fans halfway on it with a thing called um Infinite Frontier, which is basically a one-month run of this. This might happen in the future of DC Comics, but they also made sure to say this is not a definitive future. This is not a definitive future. So, if you like it, we can keep going with it. If we don't, then this isn't canon. Now that Discovery's taken over, I feel like they'll be less hands-off with the comics because ATT approached DC Comics as marketing material and nothing more they didn't see it as a viable money maker and yes comics don't make the amount of money that movies do but heaven forbid if you actually advertise your comics you might be able to sell your comics if people are aware of them (gasps) maybe (gasps) if people are aware of a title or aware of something they buy it maybe that's why the past three nightwing issues have been sold out in every single store because people are excited about the story the character and are made aware because of tom taylor's genius self-promotion basically self-promoting his own product which is great because at&t wasn't doing it but with discovery they're going to view these as another creative outlet i see which is good because the comics need it it's okay to continue the comics. I feel like this gives new life because we talked maybe this time last year about when Dan DiDio was fired. Uh, this might be the end of DC Comics. This, I think, gives new life to it of, okay, AT&T's hands are off of it now. Maybe we can have more creative freedom with it again. Yeah, it's... It, I, it gives me hope that maybe companies will stop looking at comics as a source for storytelling but it's a dead art, so like we will just leave it be, and like less of that, and more of, hey, let's tell really really cool stories through this medium that will inspire later generations to make movies about this. Stuff. Like you can't just, yeah, I just, I, I need comics to come back to the forefront, and maybe if it's a person personal thing, you know, but like at the same time, like it, I think it's time. For, and I've even had some of my library fr- um, friends, li- I have a couple uh, friends that are librarians, mm-hmm. be like, the amount of people that talk down to comic book readers like they're not real books is incredible. And I think they just it's time for comics to be respected again. I think. Yeah. Now, my question is, um, do you see these entities, I know they're being lumped together as one company, 
do you see them being one solidified app or do you see them branching off into their own thing whatever this new company's thing is whatever their new name is blank sports blank entertainment blank tv or do you see it being one massive conglomerate of a app um i can kind of see it both ways uh mainly because the discovery ceo or, or the guy that's taking over um basically kind of said uh you know we're he essentially said it's to be announced. We don't know. But he also suggested the idea of creating a bundle. So, like, paying 15 bucks or whatever for Discovery and HBO Max. And so, like, you get all three for one price, which is not a bad idea. Um, I think I'd be more willing to check out Discovery if if, the, if all of these were bundles, and which is, I guess, it kind of way it kind of that's the thing discovery right now is five bucks yeah it's kind of like having a cable a cable package almost but it's all streaming services but at the same time like i mean it's not a bad idea so you don't have to completely make a new app and reformat everything and you know it's i think it's smarter to just just do a bundle. But, I mean, hey, maybe they already have something in the works. Maybe they already have, you know, something in, in the pipeline that we don't know about, which is entirely possible because that's, that's how this works. I, I'm kind of under of the opinion that they're going to make it one massive mega Netflix killer type streaming service that has yeah. the live entertainment, but also, like, your lifestyle side, which is the discovery side, or more the scripted entertainment side, which would be the Time Warner and etc etc to me this confirms that both discovery plus and hbo max's days are numbered kind of like when hbo max launched dc universe just completely fell by the wayside and became dc infinite which even i've thrown in the towel on that one and canceled my subscription on that just because as much as i love the comics i don't read my digital comics nearly enough but also like i get that you can't have current stuff because you want to still have comic book sales but not having comics from within the most recent six months still kind of you're backlogged on stuff and the fact that AT&T or Warner Brothers really did not give a crap about DC Universe once all the content was ripped away and sent to HBO Max which still have not gotten over the fact that DC Universe was able to launch with 4K programming like Titans or Young Justice but when it comes to HBO Max, it's just an HD. So when I want to watch Nightwing finally come around in Titans Season 2's finale, I can only watch it in HD because they never sold a 4K version on any physical home release. So they've gotten rid of any 4K way to watch Young Justice or Titans. I'm going, wait, you already have you already have the 4K files. Why couldn't you just transfer that over? Because you're morons. And I don't see that happening now with this being one single entity i see this now both of these apps days are numbered which to me is they're making room for a better thing it's not like cbs all access going oh crap our name is bad we're gonna rename to paramount plus i think hbo max's name is what doomed them from the get-go i still think that's one of the worst names that and peacock but peacock's managed to overcome its bad name hbo max i think it's still struggling with its name because it's confusing HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max. Which one is which? And they never really clarified for that. They're like, well, if you have one, you've got all of them. 
what? Uh, uh, wait, do I have HBO? Do I not? It was very confusing. And now lumping this together, I think you have one mega app, whatever the company's name is, and the name will be critical to its success. Don't be stuck with a Discovery Plus is a whole heck of a lot better than HBO Max. So Discover Entertainment, maybe? I'm not sure. I kind of like that. Like or, or uh, Max Enter- Max Discovery. <laughs> Let, let's just let's just get away from Max. Nah. Um, Time to discover. Di- <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it, it's I do like Discover Entertainment, but you know it is what it is. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this will be this is a much bigger deal than I think some people are make, are making it. Um, I think especially if they have one single app with all of this content on it. Oh, holy crap. Like, that is so much you're able to watch. And, like, if it's, like, 15, 20 bucks a month, are you kidding me? Also, like, that's I should mind-blowing. Note, I should note, Discovery Plus is lifestyle. It doesn't need to have 4K content. Guess what it has? 4K content. <laughs> More than HBO Max, which still, I do not understand that. I refuse to let that go. The people are just like, I'm fine with watching HD. Yeah, until you watch stuff regularly in 4K, in which case it's really hard to go back. And I watch a lot of stuff in 4K. It's like, that's kind of the standard now. And so, so the fact that HBO so Max I'm had hearing, barely any of it is unacceptable nowadays. So what I'm hearing is you've ruined yourself. I really have, honestly. <laughs> but also, Disney Plus hasn't helped either, having all their original shows in 4K, upscaling yes. all the Disney Renaissance movies, upscaling the Star Wars ones without telling anybody. And when it launched, they're just like, oh, by the way, 4K Star Wars for the first time ever. Um, Indiana Jones is coming to 4K in June, but that's yeah. not going to streaming. Um, 4K is standard, and the fact that HBO Max was so stuck in the past because HBO had HD, they're just like, oh, yeah, people will be content with that. No, if you're charging 15 bucks a month, which is one of the most expensive just baseline prices, like Netflix charges, like, what, 17 or 18 bucks for their top tier, which is mostly 4K because Netflix requires their people to shoot and have films in 4K. Then you need, if you have your um, streaming service for 15 bucks, you need to justify that price. And to me, HBO Max has never justified its price. It's got great content, but it does not have the best formats to watch said content in, which is a huge deal. Yeah. It's, I mean, I really enjoyed rewatching like stuff like Carriage of the Cowardly Dog and, and Batman Beyond, but like, uh, there's like many a time. When I go to HBO Max and plug, you know, flip on the app and be like, okay, what am I going to watch? Well, that doesn't sound interesting. That doesn't sound interesting. Also, I'll say that it's got a terrible layout. Yeah, it, everything's really hard to find. And it's like, unless you're DC, which for some reason is almost always on the front page. Maybe it's my, maybe it's an al- al- algorithm thing. I, yeah, I think it's an algorithm thing. Yeah, hold on. Mm-mm, might take that back a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's just. Everything about this makes more sense. So I guess the conclusion here is Disney in trouble. The rest of the st- streaming world make big moves. Yay. <laughs> yeah, if this, is a, if this is a triple threat match, like Disney staggered, like 
they did the thing where they're gonna hit their opponent over the head with a chair, but it hits the ropes and ricochets and hits them back in her own head, basically. Yep. <laughs> and they're just going, my brain hurts. And they've yeah. just done goofed AA Ron. Um, and JPEX gotta fix this soon if Disney wants to stay competitive because them wolves are hungry and they can smell mouse meat. Gross. That got dark. <laughs> Gross. That got... Ew. All let's right, let's so take anyway. this thing home. Yeah, um, yeah, wow, okay. What do you guys think? What are what is your biggest takeaways from these big acquisitions? Like streaming wars were a big deal. And now they're getting even bigger. Do you see mega streaming services being the future? Do you see other big studios buying smaller studios let us know in the comments below we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you see and you want to see more subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast whether it's itunes spotify google podcast or youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube at uncharted media and as always stay sharp movie guys and gals